Part Ten of Anthem by Ayn Rand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Ten. We are sitting at a table, and we are writing this upon paper made thousands of years ago. The light is dim, and we cannot see the golden one. Only one lock of gold on the pillow of an ancient bed. This is our home. We came upon it today at sunrise. For many days we had been crossing a chain of mountains. The forest rose among cliffs, and whenever we walked out upon a barren stretch of rock, we saw great peaks before us in the west, and to the north of us, and to the south, as far as our eyes could see. The peaks were red and brown, with the green streaks of forests as veins upon them, with blue mists as veils over their heads. We had never heard of these mountains, nor seen them marked on any map. The uncharted forest has protected them from the cities, and from the men of the cities. We climbed paths where the wild goat dared not follow. Stones rolled from under our feet, and we heard them striking the rocks below, farther and farther down, as the mountains rang with each stroke, and long after the strokes had died. But we went on, for we knew that no men would ever follow our track nor reach us here. Then, today at sunrise, we saw a white flame among the trees, high on a sheer peak before us. We thought that it was a fire, and stopped. But the flame was unmoving, yet blinding as liquid metal. So we climbed toward it through the rocks, and there before us, on a broad summit, with the mountains rising behind it, stood a house such as we had never seen, and the white fire came from the sun on the glass of its windows. The house had two stories, and a strange roof flat as a floor. There was more window than wall upon its walls, and the windows went on straight around the corners, though how this kept the house standing we could not guess. The walls were hard and smooth, of that stone unlike stone which we had seen in our tunnel. We both knew it without words. This house was left from the unmentionable times. The trees had protected it from time and weather, and from men who have less pity than time and weather. We turned to the Golden One, and we asked, Are you afraid? But they shook their head. So we walked to the door, and we threw it open, and we stepped together into the house of the unmentionable times. We shall need the days and the years ahead to look, to learn, and to understand the things of this house. Today we could only look and try to believe the sight of our eyes. We pulled the heavy curtains from the windows, and we saw that the rooms were small, and we thought that not more than twelve men could have lived here. We thought it strange that men had been permitted to build a house for only twelve. Never had we seen rooms so full of light. The sun-rays danced upon colors, colors more colors than we thought possible. We, who had seen no houses save the white ones, the brown ones, and the gray, there were great pieces of glass on the walls, but it was not glass, for when we looked upon it, 
we saw our own bodies and all the things behind us as on the face of a lake. There were strange things which we had never seen, and the use of which we do not know. And there were globes of glass everywhere, in each room, the globes with the metal cobwebs inside, such as we had seen in our tunnel. We found the sleeping hall, and we stood in awe upon its threshold, for it was a small room, and there were only two beds in it. We found no other beds in the house, and then we knew that only two had lived here, and this passes understanding. What kind of world did they have, the men of the unmentionable times? We found garments, and the golden one gasped at the sight of them, for they were not white tunics, nor white togas. They were of all colors, no two of them alike. Some crumbled to dust as we touched them, but others were of heavier cloth, and they felt soft and new in our fingers. We found a room with walls made of shelves, which held rows of manuscripts from the floor to the ceiling. Never had we seen such a number of them, nor of such strange shape. They were not soft and rolled. They had hard shells of cloth and leather, and the letters on their pages were so small and so even that we wondered at the men who had such handwriting. We glanced through the pages, and we saw that they were written in our language, but we found many words which we could not understand. Tomorrow we shall begin to read these scripts. When we had seen all the rooms of the house, we looked at the golden one, and we both knew the thought in our minds. We shall never leave this house, we said, nor let it be taken from us. This is our home and the end of our journey. This is your house, golden one, and ours, and it belongs to no other men whatever, as far as the earth may stretch. We shall not share it with others, as we share not our joy with them, nor our love, nor our hunger. So be it to the end of our days. Your will be done, they said. Then we went out to gather wood for the great hearth of our home. We brought water from the stream which runs among the trees under our windows. We killed a mountain goat, and we brought its flesh to be cooked in a strange copper pot we found in a place of wonders, which must have been the cooking-room of the house. We did this work alone, for no words of ours could take the golden one away from the big glass which is not glass. They stood before it, and they looked and looked upon their own body. When the sun sank beyond the mountains, the golden one fell asleep on the floor, amid jewels and bottles of crystal and flowers of silk. We lifted the golden one in our arms, and we carried them to a bed, their head falling softly upon our shoulder. Then we lit a candle, and we brought paper from the room of the manuscripts, and we sat by the window, for we knew that we could not sleep to-night. And now we look upon the earth and sky, this spread of naked rock and peaks and moonlight, is like a world ready to be born, a world that waits. It seems to us to ask a sign from us, a spark, a first commandment. We cannot know what word we are to give, 
nor what great deed this earth expects to witness. We know it waits. It seems to say it has great gifts to lay before us, but it wishes a greater gift for us. We are to speak. We are to give its goal, its highest meaning, to all this glowing space of rock and sky. We look ahead. We beg our heart for guidance in answering this call no voice has spoken, yet we have heard. We look upon our hands. We see the dust of centuries, the dust which hid the great secrets and perhaps great evils, and yet it stirs no fear within our heart, but only silent reverence and pity. May knowledge come to us. What is the secret our heart has understood, and yet will not reveal to us, although it seems to beat as if it were endeavoring to tell it? End of Part 10